The Wiz Kids had won it, Bobby Thompson had done it, and Yogi read the comics all the while. Rock and roll was being born, marijuana we would scorn. So down on the corner, the national pastime went on trial. We're talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. The man and Bobby Feller, the scooter, the barber, and the nuke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. All right, everybody, welcome on back to Baseball History 101. As always, I'm Patrick DeVault, and I'm joined by my colleague, Matthew Carter. Hello. Um, so today, I know it happened a few weeks ago. Um, we're going to cover the Little League World Series. But first off, we're going to start with um, Little League Baseball in general. Um, they're a 501c3 nonprofit organization based out of Williamsport, Pennsylvania, where they hold the Little League World Series every year. Um, and um, they're baseball and softball now. They weren't always that way. They started off in 1939 as a three-team league in Williamsport, founded by a man named Carl Stotts. Yep. Um, he's honored memorialized in Williamsport in multiple places. Um, the Memorial Little League Bridge, which carries U.S. Route 15 across the West Branch, West Branch of the Susquehanna River between Williamsport and South Williamsport. Um, the original league's field, which is a historical site in Pennsylvania now, and on West 4th Street, West 4th Street in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Um, Carl's Neighborhood Park um, is all over town. In 1938, a location next to West 4th Street, um, they couldn't get permission from the city of Williamsport to start league play, so he started to discuss his dream with children from the neighborhood. And um, he was set on adult supervision to stop bickering on the Sandlot field. And that's kind of where Lily came from. Um, and they encouraged local volunteers to organize and operate Lily programs that are entirely chartered through um, Little League International. They can structure itself to best, leagues can each structure themselves to best serve the children in the area in which the league operates. Like, I think you were a McGuffin kid? Yep, McGuffin Park. Yep. Yeah, see, I was a Patriot kid. Yep. So, Huntsville, we had multiple leagues. They were all ran a little different. But at the end of the year, if you made the All-Stars, we all had a tournament against each other. Um, yeah. Now, now there's the storage of kids. They all play each other year-round, and you're all over all yeah. the parks. And, like, I was National League. You were Patriot League. Yeah, I played at Fernville. Yeah, and now they both combined, and now there's Liberty League, which is stupid. But whatever. And I didn't realize that's how that worked. Yeah, it happened, like, a couple of years ago. Yeah, there's such storage of kids, man. All these parks are combining. Um, I think Hampton Cove combined with um, – International Mayfair. International at Mayfair. And, and so did Oak the, Park. Oak Park combined with Mayfair. Or, that's dumb, man. But yeah. it is what it is. Well, yeah, then Huntsville is more focused on youth soccer. They invested so much in youth soccer fields. Well, and baseball is kind of a dying sport as well. And I bet MLB, we can circle back on all these rules. I'm pointing at the TV like it's baseball, yeah. so I'm watching football. But um, all these rule changes, they're trying to draw these kids back in. you know. But, and the lockout didn't help much either. It's not like it was when we were kids watching the bar and Sosa. Right. It's just different. But anyway, and it's not Little League's fault. No, it's not Little No, it's not Little League's fault. They have a phenomenal product. Um, and, but, some, and some people don't do it after Little League, you know. Yeah, you know. It's either not for you, your parents made you do it. You know, it, it's yeah. one of those things. But it's still a great organization, you know. Um, but, yeah, there are several specific divisions of Little League baseball and softball. Um, and it's available for kids age 4 to 16. Where we're from in Huntsville, Little League stops at 12, and then you go to Babe Ruth Ball from 13 to 18. Yep. But there is Senior senior Little League, or I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get, we're going to get to that here in a second. And there's other similar leagues to Babe Ruth, like Connie Mack League, Van Johnson League, Ripley League, you know. Yep. yep. Um, but um, they're, they're most known for the Little League World Series, which was played in Williamsport in 1947. We're going to get to that later. That's what this episode is actually about, is yeah. the Little League World Series. And so, now this really, so it started in 1939. Carl Stotts got the idea. He got the idea from his nephews. Like, in the, 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 the year before, oh, wow, Billy Napier is heated. Sorry, guys. We're in a 24-21 for Tennessee game right now. Also, <laughs> yeah. for the for the Tennessee Florida fans who listen to this podcast, Billy Napier is heated right now. 
But anyway, so the, in 1938, you know, he began experimenting with this idea because of his two nephews, Jimmy and Major Garrett. And he got them and their neighborhood friends to try different field dimensions. Over, they tried different field dimensions over the course of summer and played several informal games. And then the next year, Stotts felt that he was ready to establish what became Little League Baseball. And it started in Williamsport. You know, it's the birthplace of Little League Baseball. And the first, and they had three teams. And they were sponsored by local businesses like Jumbo Pretzel, Lycoming Dairy, because I think Williamsport's in Lycoming County, but I could be wrong, and Lundy Lumber. And Stotts managed the team, and he got brothers George and Burke Bevel to manage the other teams. And it's like when my dad was a little leaguer, and they were sponsored by um, Devault Incorporated, and they were sponsored by um, yeah, who, well, who was it? Um, I think Service Steel. Yeah, you know, but like people. But when we were doing little league, we didn't have that. We didn't have like sponsors. No, we had our parents ponied up fifty five bucks. Right, and we were like the Reds or the Giants or whatever, you know. Yeah, but. You know, and so the men were joined by their wives and another couple, and they formed the first Little League Board of Directors. That was their board of directors. And the first league game took place on June 6, 1939, the same month that the Baseball Hall of Fame opened in 1939. They opened on June 12th. Little Is the League's founder started. of Little League in the Baseball Hall of Fame? No. I don't think he... If they had like a lifetime achievement award for like baseball lifers or something, I bet he would. But like, not in the no. I mean, he, Carl Stott's not in the baseball. He seems like somebody that should be because he facilitated so much for so many people like me and you who love the game. So without his product, we would not. Yeah, you would think he would, but for whatever reason, he's not because he did wasn't in fact he wasn't involved in major league baseball, you know, or Negro league baseball or something like that, you know, and. Anyway, so the first game took place on June 6, 1939, when Lundy Lumber defeated Lycoming Dairy 23-8. Yeah, that's a lopsided score. But, you know, the season was in two halves, just like minor league baseball. Like, um, the Dairy, Lycoming Dairy, became the champions of the first half of the season and then defeated the Lundy Lumber, who was the second half champions in a best-of-three championship series. Right? And so that was the first season. You know, and the following year, a second league was formed in Williamsport, and from there, Little League Baseball grew to become an international organization. Over the years, it became an international organization of two hundred thousand teams in every U.S. state and more than eighty countries. Damn near every city in America has a little league. Yeah, and in nineteen forty-six, going back to nineteen forty-six, Little League expanded to twelve leagues, and they were all in Pennsylvania. In 1947, it was the breakout year, the expansion. The first little league outside of Pennsylvania is founded in Hamilton, New Jersey. And this is also the first year of the Little League World Series, 1947. Um, the Maynard League of Williamsport defeated a team from Lock Haven, Pennsylvania to win the first Little League World Series. And later, later on, Alan Yurick. Is the first little league so I guess the same year Alan Urich was the first little league graduate to play professional baseball when he was signed by the Boston Braves. So that's pretty cool. He, first he was, of many. First of many, many major leaguers. I'm willing to bet the majority. I'm willing to bet yeah. three quarters, if not more. I'd say eighty percent of major league baseball players currently yeah. play little league, and especially the Americans. Yeah, but and especially Americans, but I'm sure it's people from Latin America who played on little league teams. And, of course, I have a book that Carl Stotts wrote called A Promise Cap, the Story of the Founding of Little League Baseball, that he talked in depth about how he founded it, how it grew in the first World Series and all that. For those of you at home, Matthew always brings props when we're talking about something that he has a book on. Mm -hmm. um, my girlfriend here, we had a bunch of Harry Potter and books about Game of Thrones and stuff like that. I guarantee Matthew has bookshelves like this own nothing but baseball stuff. Yeah, baseball or even like college football, but mostly baseball. But I would recommend if you wanted to learn if you wanted to read more about the founding of Lily Baseball and their founder Carl Stotts, I would recommend the Promise Kept. So just you know, throwing it out there if anybody wanted to read more about it. I'll write that down and throw it in the notes when I put the subject put it out for you guys so that you um, can uh, go find it for yourself. Yeah. 
And so, 19, so the next year, 1948, Little League grows to include 84 leagues. And so Lockhaven, the Lockhaven, Pennsylvania team returned to the Little League World Series in 48, and they defeated a team from St. Petersburg, Florida, to win the World Series. And the first corporate-sponsored U.S. rubber donates pro-kids shoes to teams at the series. So you're getting a corporate sponsorship of shoes to, for the little leaguers to wear. That's pro kids before they were just kids. Right, they're pro kids. The next year, little league is getting attention nationally. They've got a feature. They're featured in the Saturday Evening Post and on newsreels. And of course, Stotts is getting like hundreds of requests from information around the nation to form little local little leagues, and so. And then that year, Little League incorporated in New York, in, I guess the state of New York. They've already incorporated Pennsylvania, I guess, and they do it in New York as well. And so, in 1950 or 1951, somewhere in there, Kate Johnston becomes the first girl to play Little League baseball. So and what's about to happen here is would not fly in 2022. Right. This is fucked. Yeah, this is, but in 1950, this was accepted. Times change. Yep. She, she cuts her hair, dresses as a boy, and adopts a nickname Tubby to assimilate into the King's Dairy Little League team in Cor- of Corning, New York. Imagine your day. Come on, you little Tubby girl. Let's play some baseball. Like, right. You know, that's, that, that would not fly. That would not fly whatsoever. And after earning her way onto the team and being assigned first base, she tells her coach that she's a girl. But he keeps her on the team. She's forced to quit after one season because of a new rule known as the Tubby Rule. It's created to bar girls from participation. And that rule remained in place until 1974 when Lily lifted the rule. And they let, we'll get later on, they let Maria Pepe play Lily baseball. It's so stupid. It's a bad, it's, it's not a good rule. If you can play baseball, you can play baseball. I don't have no problem with a woman. If she could damn throw a 97 mile an hour fastball, come on, bro, let's go. And of course, this is the 50s. They still have the All American Girls Professional Baseball League still going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure. I'm That's sure probably Kay, why that girl wanted to play baseball. Right. I'm sure that would influence Kay to want to play baseball. I'm not sure about softball. I'm not sure if that was a thing. And I don't know the history of softball. We're not a softball podcast, but. Right. But like this, I'm sure it influenced her to play. I'm sure the. All American Girls Professional League influenced her to play Little League baseball. She's like, if these girl, if these women, these girls can play baseball, I can play baseball too. There, nobody, there, nobody is doubting women playing baseball, as yeah. we've said in the All American Girls Baseball League pod, uh, episode. Women can play baseball. We're not, we're not. Nobody's doubting that at all. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. So, nineteen fifty one, leagues are being formed outside the U.S. They're being formed in British Columbia, Canada, and then they're also near the Panama Canal. And these are the first leagues outside the U.S. 53, the Little League World Series is televised for the first time. Jim McKay. That's a name we've heard before. Yeah, Jim Jim McKay. And he does the play-by-play for CBS, and Howard Cosell does it for ABC Radio. Howard Cosell is doing... Play by play for Little League Baseball. I think Howard Cosell is the only announcer's name, or known announcer's name, commentator's name, that we didn't mention in the last episode of Penn Scully. No. I, th- I think he's the only one that he's the only we one. didn't mention. And he's a stellar guy, too. Yeah. He also broadcasts the baseball games, among yeah. others. Yeah. And so, let's see. So, Joey J. So, like, you know, Alan Yurick, he's the first little guy to play professional baseball. So he signed with, the, I guess, Yurick signed with the Braves, but he was playing minor league baseball at the time. Because in 53... Joe J- Joey J from Connecticut. Joey, and uh, he's a Milwaukee Brave. Yeah. He, he, he joined... He became the first little league graduate to play major league baseball. And he also got to... Uh, he was uh, one of the players that transitioned from Milwaukee to Atlanta. Oh, and fun fact, his grandson... Lives in Alabama and plays, or played high school baseball at like some in some school in Mobile, like some private school, like UMS Wright or something like that. I read an article about it like earlier this year. I don't know how you put that stuff in your memory the way you do. Yeah, I, if I can find the article, I'll talk about it later. I'll show Patrick. And you your memory backs me, Matt. <laughs> yeah, but I remember reading that earlier this year that his grandson plays high school baseball for some private school in Mobile. 
like UMS Wright or McGill Tour and stuff like that. Anyway, but going back to Little League Baseball, you know, so being in the North, even though this is like, even though they were a Northern institution, I don't think they were alone. African Americans on the on the on you know playing little league. No, probably baseball. not, man, because that's that time period. Yeah. But um, let's fast forward a little bit to fifty five. There's yeah. a little league organization in each of the forty eight U.S. states. George W. Bush played as a catcher for the Cubs in Midland, Texas. That's kind of cool. Presidential ties, you know. Yeah, I'm sure he's not the only president to have done it. No, because I feel like every kid, for the most part, most kids played ball. Yeah. Um. And then in 56, Stott severed his ties with the league baseball and his feet over the direction and control of the league. He thought it was becoming overly commercialized by the president, Peter J. McGovern, and he remains active in youth baseball with the original league in Williamsport. Yeah. Um, but Little League record, Little League records its first on-field death in Garland, Texas, when a 12-year-old was hit in the head by a pitch. Oh, my God. Um, which, I hate to say it, as a baseball guy, I played baseball until I was in yeah. To last year, you know, I'm in my early 30s. It's the risk that you you take, but it sucks. And they weren't wearing helmets then. Yeah, that was before real helmets. At least I had a helmet. Yeah. Um, and so the the Garland baseball, the Garland teams, they finished the season wearing youth football helmets over their baseball caps. We had a guy foul a ball off at Patriot League and just wreck his face. Oh. And uh, we had to... Every team had to have the option for a softball helmet the rest of the year. Oh, with a wow. little face guard on it. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? It's before the little one flap C helmets they have now. Yeah. And also that year, 56, Fred Shapiro throws a perfect game of the Little League World Series. Yeah. And then, and now I guess for now we're talking about we're, the World now Series. Now we need to get back to the World Series. That's yeah. why I jump ahead a little bit. Um, yeah. So we can circle back to the World Series. Obviously, the first one's in 47. As we yeah. discussed. Um, initially, only teams in the United States competed in it. Mm-hmm. And now it's worldwide. It's popular, gained popular renown, um, especially in the United States, where games in the series and even regional tournaments. Um, from like, you can watch, what's that city in Georgia? has got the Army base. They're always Warner good. Robbins. Warner Robins. They're always good. So you can watch them beat the smokes off of Huntsville, Alabama in the semifinals uh, pretty much every year, you know? Yeah, and they host in Warner Robins. Yeah. Yeah. That's because they have a phenomenal league part here. Yeah. Um, you know, but the game series, they're on, they're on ESPN, man. Um, because it's kind of a dead sports season. They play it before the big league games come on. Yeah. Um, because there's no hockey and it's right before football starts. Yeah. So it's dead sports season. So we fuck these kids out here. Yeah. There's actually game on lines on this kid, which is, I think, is absurd, but. They have like betting lines on these games. Yeah, not at not at well known bookies, but if you want to dig deep enough, you can find ways to bet on these kids. I just, uh, I just don't think. Never done it, never will do it, but morally, it's I out just, there. Morally, I just don't think that's right. Honestly. Oh, me neither. Yeah, but it's out there if you want to find it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but um, um, teams in the United States have won the, most of the World Series. It, but from 69 to 91, Taiwan just pretty much dominated. Went 15 to 23. Yeah. I'm sure Chiang Kai-shek loved that when, <laughs> when they won in 1969. But um, the World Series is frequently referred to as just the Little League World Series. It's actually one of seven World Series tournaments sponsored by Little League International, which is what Little League wound up becoming. Yeah. Um, it's in different locations. Um, there's regions. Um, there's subcategories. You got the defunct Little League Baseball regions, intermediate Little League World Series regions, Junior League World Series, Little League World Series regions, and Senior League World Series regions. So, and uh, I couldn't really find much detail on any of those, but there's because they're not as prominent. I know Senior League is the um, 13 to 16 year old. Yeah, the Babe the Babe Ruth age. Babe Ruth age. Yeah. But, and they also have girls softball in, in uh, three age divisions, so it's something else. But you gotta go through qualifying tournaments. Like I know when I was a kid, um, we'd have to our park would put a team together. Yep, and we'd play. Other and then we'd go play other parks in the city. In or, the city, which um, every all star team I was on, um, J 
Johnny Childress or Mark Mullane were always our coach. Yeah. We'd fucking smoke everybody in the cities, then we'd go to state and go to and cute. Yeah. I think we I think we went I think we went two years in a row to state and we didn't win a single game at state. I visually re- I remember I guess the summer in between sixth and seventh grade year, the tournament was at Stoner Park in North Huntsville. I was on that team. I was on that. I was on that team. Yeah, and now I, I did obviously I wasn't good enough to be on the All Star teams, but I went to the game because I knew players on both teams, or at least on. That's the, before we knew each other. I was on the National League team. I knew players on the National League team, so I went to support my boys at like twelve years old. You know, thirteen years old. Yeah, I was on a Patriot team. Yeah, uh, up there. That's before we met. But I just remember going to those games and just watching them and just be like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I'm seeing. And I, at that point, I never played game like even fall ball. I never played game at Stoner Park. You know, I did. I never been to Stoner Park. No, we that. never, we never really did interleague play. No, in fall ball you did interleague play, but like in regular spring mm-hmm. little league, you didn't do that. So that was cool. I went. I experienced a, a game at, at another at a park I'd never been to. So that was pretty cool. Well, yeah, you did that, and then you I got two to- hits and one in in that tournament. And uh, I was swinging this bat. It was, you know, remember the old school steel bats? Yes. People used to swing? Yeah. So I was playing travel ball and park ball at the same time. And uh, travel bats, we were playing with load, uh, the big barrel bats. Mm-hmm. So to replicate the weight, I had a Little League with steel bat, which you could still buy at damn Walmart. And I got them two hits in the inning with that bat. And I was like, why are you swinging this? Because it weighs the same as my travel bat. Yeah. Like, And you can hit off it. And it's not illegal. No, it wasn't illegal. No. It's probably still not. Yeah. But, um, you know, you went to, like, you know, city or district, I guess, and then you go to state, which I think that year, state was, like, in Bruton, Alabama. It was, like, in the middle of nowhere. I think we went to Andalusia that year. Or Andalusia, yeah. Somewhere around there in in, Lo- in L.A., lower Alabama. Yeah, we played grass. Andalusia one year, and we played um, Bruton Sucks, man. Yeah. Well, when I played at Jeff State, we have to go down and play at Bruton Parker, and it sucked. You go down there and play a doubleheader, and it's just yeah. like. I don't know how T.R. Miller does it, man. Yeah. That doesn't matter. And it sucks down there. Yeah. And then when you win State, then you go to the regional, which before it was in Warren Robins, it was in St. Petersburg. Because when Hunter Morris's team went, it was in St. Petersburg. But then afterwards, after Georgia got good, they moved to the Warren Robins. And they have a really nice. That's probably the best little league team to ever come out of Huntsville until the American League team a couple of years ago went to regionals. Yes, I remember that because that was the year. Well, I say a couple of years ago. That's probably that was in 2019. That was the year. No, it was in 2019. The one I'm thinking of was before that because I was still bartending at MVP. Okay. And now MVP's closed, so <laughs> that's a long time ago. I was the longest tenured employee they ever had. That's what man- bad management does for you. It happens. But um no, it was uh probably twenty seventeen when they went up, I had to guess. Okay. Well yeah, you know, it, that's it, historically Alabama Alabama has won one little league world series in, in history. It was nineteen fifty three, a team from Birmingham won it. But the next closest would probably be the Phoenix City kids. Yeah, nineteen ninety nine with um, Russell County. Yeah, Tony Rasmus, head coach. Yep, and Colby. Future major leaguer, Colby Rasmus, star player on the team. They lost to Japan. Which tends to happen. These American teams will just run the gamut and then get beat by these international clubs. They'll get beat by like Japan or Korea or in the past Taiwan, you know. Taiwan had a run. but Taiwan dominated, and they, they cheated. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Well, it's just, I feel like it's really hard to identify birth certificates and all of this and yeah. Really. Yeah. And but still it's like the the history the Little League World Series history is fascinating with teams and then like, you know, the international teams. Like from sixty nine to like what, ninety one or something like that, Taiwan dominated. Mm-hmm. In nineteen seventy five, Little League said we're not doing international teams for the World Series. It's just gonna be American teams. They banned their national teams from playing the Little League World Series because t- they got tired of Taiwan kicking the crap out of them every year. Right. And so let's get into yeah. um, how this really works. Okay. In the months leading up to the World Series, we got all of our teams that we talked about. Yep. And um, it's made out of players from its league. Like uh, Patriot League, we always had eight to ten teams. Y'all probably had the same at National. Yeah. Um, 
And that's just Huntsville, for instance. Some, you know, some some rural places might only have a team, and you have to go play other parts. Yeah. But in Huntsville, we're what quarter million people at the time when we were kids. Yeah, it wasn't two hundred thousand. Like you know. Um. And then you go play other parks in your city, and then you get advanced to the state. And if you win the state, you go to regionals, and then you go to World Series. Mm-hmm. But in the United States, the fate of district winners varies widely from state to state. In some larger states like Pennsylvania, New York, and California, the district of winners have to advance to a sectional tournament in between mm-hmm. because there's just too many people, too many parks. Too many, yeah. It's there's too many players. And like, um, it's like you have North Texas and Lower Texas yep. um, when you get into the regionals and things like that. Yeah. Um, or North California, Southern California. Yeah. Um, in a lot of smaller states, the lack of competition at the sexual level goes straight from district to state. Like Alabama. Yep. Yeah. 100%. And um, there's two exceptions to this rule, though. Every state, as well as the, as well as District of Columbia, has a state champion. And they send it to represent one of eight regional tournaments. The exceptions involve California and Texas because they're size. California and Texas send, send two representatives to their regional tournament. So they get two bids because they're just too big. They basically count them as two extras, two states. So we got fifty-two states in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I'm not getting into the demographics of how they split those states, but they got interstate guidelines and all that. But and other countries and regions pick their own way of crowning a champion because they get to send one team for the country, where we get to send teams per region. Yeah. Um, and we have the Great Lakes. Which is Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, Metro, Connecticut, New Jersey, New York, Rhode Island, Mid Atlantic, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Delaware, um, District of Columbia, Maryland, the Midwest, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Missouri, Mountain, Nevada, Montana, Utah, Wyoming, New England, Maine, Massachusetts, yep, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, Vermont. Vermont. Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho make up the Northeast. Northwest. That's Northwest, that's it. Um, southeast is Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, and Tennessee. That's a stacked region, by the way. Yeah. That's a hotbed of baseball talent. Yeah. And then the Southwest is... Um, Mississippi. Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, East, Texas, West, Oklahoma, Colorado, and New Mexico. Yeah. The fact Mississippi is not in the Southeast is kind of... Sketchy, but and then the West, you have Arizona, Northern California, Southern California, and Hawaii. Shit. So that's the eight, and then the European or not European, the overseas. You have Asia Pacific and Middle East is one. Australia, Canada, the Caribbean, Europe, and Africa. That's a weird pool. Japan, Latin America, Mexico, and then uh, Puerto Rico gets a bid every year. Nice. And um, they've had they've had realignments in 2013, 2022, um, and it's the way it works is the Americans play a double elimination tournament between their regions, and the non-Americans the um, they do the same, and the winners face each other yeah. to become world champions of twelve-year-old baseball. It's fast, yeah. It's great, man. Ten teams from the U.S., ten teams from international. That that should be, you know. And then the at the yep championship, you know, the U.S. winner faces the international winner in a one game playoff. No, there ain't no two out of three in there one. You just it's one game, one and done. And now they play the games. There are two venues that host Little League World Series games, and they're both in Williamsport or I guess South Williamsport, Pennsylvania. There's the big one, Howard J. Lamedy, Lamedy Stadium, and then the Volunteer Stadium. Lamedy's the original. Yeah. And then, you know, Volunteer, they built that because you can't hold, with so many teams play, you can't hold all of them at Lamedy Stadium. You got to have it at Volunteer as well. And they're playing games from 10 in the morning to 8 at night. You know? Yeah. There ain't no way you're playing all those games in one stadium. You have to expand the League of Series by like three weeks instead of two weeks or something like that. He did that. Volunteer, Sto- Volunteer Stadium opened in 2001. Lomney Stadium has hosted games since 1959, and they added lights in 92. Yeah, and they've 
built a stadium and all of that around it yeah. since because both both look very familiar. When you're watching on TV, you can't really tell which stadium is which. I yeah, I really can't do it. And they, they look familiar. They both have grass berms, you know. The kids and the cardboard. Kids and cardboard. But yeah, and of course, you know, the original you know, the first the first games they played at the original the first World Series games they played at the original field, you know. And then they went to Lombardy and then Lombardy and Volunteer. And both fields have symmetrical fences with a distance of 68.6 meters or 225 feet for us from home plate to the outfield. And then 205 feet down. Well, actually, the distance before that was 205 feet. But 2006, they moved it back to 225 feet. Yeah, when we were kids, our little league parks, I think Patriots still had the same. It was 200-foot fence. Yeah, yeah. And admission to all little league World Series games is free for all spectators. However, stadium seats for the championship game are distributed in a random drawing of all interested parties due to high demand, which, of course. So you can sit on the hill. Yeah, you can sit on the hill. Which, that's cool. Yeah. Some early round games, mostly games with Pennsylvania teams, will will use first-come, first-serve admission if a big crowd is to be expected. Lomney Stadium has a berm beyond the fences that, have, that, allowed, that has allowed the facility to hold the 45,000 spectators. You know. Now, of course, the age requirements have changed over the years. Like, we always had that weird kid on our teams growing up that had that weird birthday where they were a year older or a year younger and were playing with us. Yeah, but they were, but they could still do it. You know, yeah, because so birthday. it all comes down to your age on August first. Yeah, from forty-seven to two thousand five, the age limit for players was set at children who turned thirteen on August first of that year. Mm-hmm. In two thousand six, it was loosened to include players who turned thirteen. After April 30th. Oh. As the series takes place in August, this led to many of the players having already turned 13 before the series started. I don't understand why they changed it. It wasn't broke. Why no. fix it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, in 2014, they voted to change the cutoff from April 30th to December 31st. And this caused outrage by parents because the players born between May 1st and August 31st, 2005 would have lost their 12-year-old season because they would be considered they would have been considered to be 13 year old 13 years old even though they have not reached their 15th birthday. Can you imagine how many travel ball parents were pissed off about that? <laughs> a lot. A lot. <laughs> Those ones that are really my kid needs his reps. He's going to college. I'm forcing him to play baseball every fucking rep he gets. Yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, effective on November 2015, a new implementation plan was established, which grandfathered players born between May 1st and August 31st, 2005, as 12-year-olds for the 2018 season, using the April 30th age determination for the 2018 season. Since 2019, a new determination date of August 31st is used, banning 13-year-old players from participating in the series. So we basically circled back to where we were yeah, originally at. Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. And, of course, ever since after they lifted the Tubby rule in 1974, there have been 21 girls that participated in the Little League World Series. Yep, the first was Victoria Roche from uh, Brussels. Belgium, Belgium. yeah. But man, in 89, you had a, lady, a, a girl from uh, California, and then... Only 23, that's wild. Yeah. Then, of course, the most well-known was Monet Davis, at least in recent history, because she was on SportsCenter all the time. She uh, was on a broadcast uh, a few nights ago, or a few nights ago, a few weeks ago. I watched it since we moved down here. Mm-hmm. Um, they had one of those games where ESPN, that's kids commentate. Oh, yeah. For a yeah. few minutes, and she was on there. That's a good one. Um, there was actually two. It was the only, one of two years where they had two girls. And, um, in 2009, Katie Reyes from Vancouver, British Columbia, and Bryn Stonehouse from Saudi Arabia. Wow. And then, I said, that's a wild place to let a girl play baseball, I feel like. Saudi Arabia. Even play. playing baseball. Well, there's dirt. They have dirt. So, you know, sand. But 
Sandlot. Sandlot. There you go. So you go have a Sandlot. You but had... then in 2014, you had a girl from uh, another girl from Vancouver, British Columbia, Emma March, and uh, Monet Davis. And Monet Davis is definitely the most well known of all the women. But yeah. Um, then like, this year they had a girl for the Utah team, Fallon Randall. So you know, I think she, I think she might have dropped out home run on somebody. I'm not sure. Wait, what? Don't quote me on this, but I think she might have dropped a finger on somebody. I'd have to double check. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, don't quote me on that. Right. I think not, she no. may have. I think I saw that in passing. Yeah. And then 1994, they had Chrissy Wendell, and she later, uh, you know, and she later went on to become a women's ice hockey player, and was also a and a current amateur scout for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So she went on to have a, and she was on the Brooklyn Center Minnesota team. In 1994, but she went on to have a great career in hockey. So, and she has a Wikipedia article on her. You can read more about her if you like. But yeah, so, you know, women have played, well, women, girls have played Little League World Series baseball. So that's cool, too. Hey. Yeah. We're an advocate for women playing the sport on this podcast. 100%. We've made that known in the past. Like, nobody can question us on that. So. Um, and there's been a handful of noteworthy events in the, the history of the World Series. Like, uh, 52 was the first year a team from outside the United States won. A team from Montreal, Canada, became the first team outside the United States to even play in the tournament. 1955, we had the first walk-off home run by a um, probably successful man these days. Who knows? A guy named Rich Kaminsky. From Morrisville, Pennsylvania. Yep, in the seventh inning. Which I think Lily plays six, right? They play six. They probably there. So many six, yeah, yeah. Because um, then we got to Babe Ruth ball and we played seven. Yeah, Babe Ruth and even high, some high school you went seven. And then you start playing nine in college, and that's was a doubleheader. Seven, yeah. seven. There was yep. there was nine, and then if you play a doubleheader, it was two sevens. Yep. Which I hate. Just play nine. <laughs> um, in 1957, Monterey, Mexico, only the third team from outside the United States to play in the tournament, became the first team to win. Pitcher Miguel Angel Macias threw a perfect game, which has never occurred in a championship game since. And I believe they made, somebody made a movie about this team, but I could be wrong. I have not. I bet it's out there. Take a Google for yourself. Yeah. 1970, fast forward that. That was the first, that was the final tournament to have an all-U.S. championship final aside from the acceptance of 75 in 2021, which is weird. 21 was a COVID year, so we weren't bringing people over. Right. In 75, as I've said before, they banned their national teams because they got tired of Taiwan beating the crap out of everybody. You know? Well, that. Well, it, and there's rumors that Taiwan was you know, not it. playing by the rules. Right. You know, they got that Chiang Kai shek money, man. Yeah. 71, Lloyd McClendon from Gary, Indiana hit five home runs in five at bats over the span of three games. He had five other plate appearances. All intentional walks. So they got the Barry Bonds treatment. Yeah. And then after 75, they let international teams came back. And they put, and this was the year they put U.S. teams and non-U.S. teams on different sides of the bracket. Yeah, that's a way to fix the yeah. fixation of it all. Exactly. I think that's how it should be. You know, especially I'm not sure that's the right verbiage, but that's what right. I want to say. Especially since Little League has grown to other countries. They're like, hey, let's just make it two brackets. And then have the the winner meet in the finals, you know. 1982, and this is good because they made a 30 for 30 on this. Kirkland, Washington, Lily team, they won the Lily World Series over the Taiwan team. And they snapped a streak of 31 consecutive wins by Taiwanese teams in the Lily World Series. And That's wins, not championships. Right, just overall wins in wins. the tournament. They just showed up, cleaned house. Kicking ass, taking names. I'm here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. I'm on bubble gum kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, it, it's one of my favorite 30 for 30s of the original 30 for 30s. I wish I could remember the name of the 30 for 30, but it was one of my favorites. I enjoyed that one. And Jim McKay, who, as we've mentioned before, he prompted, when, when Kirkland beat Taiwan, it prompted him to declare that this was the biggest upset in the history of Little League, which, honestly, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it was, you know.
Right. And then in 1993, Long Beach, California, they were the first team to win the from the United States to win consecutive championships. Um, so California won 1993. And then in 05, a guy named Michael Mamea from Iwa Beach, Hawaii, won the championship with a walk-off in the seventh. That's wild. Walk off in the championship game, the Little World Series. You go back to school. Yeah. You got to be the biggest man in, in the damn school. Everybody's You crying. have to be the guy. Everybody wants to be your friend after that. Um, 2007, Dalton Carricker from Warner Robins. Town we mentioned it's, it's a baseball town, baby. Yep. He had a walk off in the eighth inning of the championship game. That guy probably got had so many girlfriends in the damn sixth grade. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's about what? You're sixth, seventh grade at this age? Yeah, sixth, seventh grade. Probably, uh, se- probably going to your seventh grade year. In uh, 2012, a team from Lugosi, Uganda, became the first team from Africa to make the tournament. How cool is that? That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, 2016, a team from uh, Maine, Indwell, New York, completed completed an undefeated season, 24-0. and Defeating Seoul for the championship. So that's 24 wins. It's an all-star team. Yeah. To make it to the World Series. And they gave South Korea its first loss ever in a championship game. And then, of course, as we all know, 2020 happened. Mm -hmm. There was no tournament. For obvious reasons. I've been pissed if I was a little leaguer and COVID happened. Because I always thought our group out of Patriot, you know a bunch of the guys. You went to Grissom and and... Dude, if they combined McGuckin and Patriot when we were kids, like they did now, yeah, hell on wheels. Yeah, we would have made it to Williamsport. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Our age group, man? Yeah. And the age group right behind us probably, too. Yeah. Um, but it was canceled because, you know, COVID. COVID. It happens. I guess it happened. It doesn't happen. It just happened. And we were all blindsided by it, honestly. And then in 2021, it was U.S. teams only because of the continued impact of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks will be over the hump. Nope. Not how that played out. Um, and then who was the team that ran the table this year? Was it Hawaii that ran the table? Yeah, it was Hawaii. Hawaii brought the noise this year. They brought the noise. They won it this year. So, um, Taiwan's got 17 titles. Japan, 11. California, 7. Pennsylvania, Connecticut, New Jersey, Hawaii are all tied at four. Mexico, Georgia, South Korea, New York are all three. Texas, Venezuela, and Michigan have two. Alabama, yep. New Mexico, Washington, Kentucky, Curacao, and Louisiana have one. Oh, yeah. That was great. Um, so now, let's, now, Little League Baseball is not perfect. There has been some scandals, at least involving the Little League World Series. You know, or do you want to talk about the go with that? Yeah, there's been some scandals, most notably Danny Almonte. Almonte, also a 30 for 30 about him. Yeah, we this was happening when we were growing up playing little league baseball. He was the man, he was on the cover of SI for kids, but he dominated him and his team, dominated the 2001 Little League World Series, right? And unfortunately. They had to vacate it. He's currently a baseball coach in New York City also. Well, good. He's still doing baseball. But 2001, Daniel Monte was... Actually, no, he did... Well, He moved to New York in 2000 to the yeah. Bronx. And he began playing the league. His father, Felipe, um, he moved there six years later, earlier, had begun a youth league in Mocha that still bears his name. Um, let's see what Mocha's at. It's in the Dominican. Yeah. Um, he had a high leg and a fastball at 76 miles an hour. So basically a 102-mile-an-hour fastball at the big league level. Mm-hmm. So he was five foot eight. He became a sensation, man. I remember having an SI for kids when I was a kid with him on it. Yep. You know? And you remember the SI for kids had the little cardboard cards in the middle. They, oh, weren't, man, they, were, they were cheesy-ass bullshit. I like, love the SI for kids, man. Yeah. Um, he was nicknamed Little Unit as a nod to Randy Johnson. He threw a no-hitter in the 2001 Mid-Atlantic Finals against State College, Pennsylvania. I actually played baseball with the guy uh, here in Birmingham at uh, Jeff State with the guy um, Matt Fisher, Fisher from State College, Pennsylvania. That's 
forget where you went on the plane. It was somewhere back up in Pennsylvania after we left down here. Yeah. Hell of a third baseman. But um, in the round robin game four years later, he threw the first perfect game in the Little League World Series since 79 against the team from Apopka, Florida. Yeah. He just And then they got beat by the same team in the championship game because he couldn't pitch because he um, had pitched the complete game the day before. And that was back when he had any rules in the Little League. Yeah. And he looked cool. Like, he just looked like a – he looked like he knew what he was doing on the mound. So in the 2001 tournament, he struck out 62 out of 72 batters face. Wow. That's very, very good. They only gave it three hits and three starts and one uh, one unearned run. He did not give up an earned run. His ERA in that tournament was zero. Yeah. Point zero zero. .00. They're called the Baby Bombers because they, uh, where they're from, was from the shadow of Yankee Stadium. and They received the key to the city from Rudy Giuliani. And then the concern about the age came up, as always. And he was supposedly born in 89. So, like, we were one year off from being, like, insane. Yeah. Like, I was been 90. So, had our team, from my part, gone to that tournament, I would have got diced up by this guy, possibly. You know? Yeah. But yeah, the, the president of the league was very adamant about his local league and they found Sports Illustrated actually went to the Civil Records Building in Mocha after the World Series and discovered a notation on social and he was born in 87. So he was 14 years old throwing against 12-year-olds. Oh. Yeah. So he was, he was damn near a high school freshman. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's a big one. It is. And then 1992, a team from the Philippines from Zamboanga City you know, they won the International League Championship. In fact, I think they, I think initially they won the tournament, but there was, you know, they won it fifteen to four against the team from Long Beach, California. After a, after a seven run first inning, they won fifteen to four, and they were hailed by they were hailed as heroes of the Philippines with the president giving them. Give the team a gift of a million pesos and cont- to contribute to the livelihoods of their families. And, like, they just, they dominated. But then there was an investigation. Because they're, like, usually, because before that, the Philippines had never won a Little League World Series. They were not known. They weren't like Taiwan. They weren't known as really good baseball, like, in baseball. And so there was an investigation. And you can watch somebody. Baseball doesn't exist in a video about this. It was really good. And you know, a journalist from the Philippine Daily Inquirer, Al Mendoza, began publishing stories suggesting that some players were ineligible because he had received letters from several neighbors and relatives claiming that several players were too old for little league. And one of the local, one a local administrator, Armando Andaya, was faxed four questions from little league president. Creighton Hale regarding players' ages, birth certificates, residence, and specific question regarding winning championship game. Oh, a special specific question regarding championship game winner Ian Tol- Tolentino's participation in the tournament in 1990, possibly with the view of suggesting that this would have made him over the age line. And Daya admitted to violating rules on district representation. Eight players were from outside the Zamboanga City District. Some were far, as far away as the city of Luzon, and unable to speak Chavacano, which was the language that most people speak in Zamboanga City, which is different from other other the other islands of the Philippines. And Daya claimed that eight players replaced that the eight players replaced for various reasons were unable to go to China for the Far East series, and that the out of district substitutes were only used to make up numbers used to make up numbers rather than to give them extra edge over their opponents. He also meant that the team's original coach had been replaced with somebody from Manila. And so, because of that, the Little League Baseball stripped Zamboanga City of their title because under Little League rules, when it, at the time when a team was found to have used an eligible player, it forfeited only most, it only forfeited only its most recent game. Otherwise, it would have to put the entire tournament on hold 
while the teams that lost the illegal team were put in the in, were put back in the tournament. Since the revelation was made after the championship game, that game was declared a 6-0 forfeit to Long Beach, which was awarded the championship. The exposed players and parents remained defiant and accused Little League Baseball of denying them due process. But then there was like more revelations. There was more stuff going on. With many Filipinos outraged that at what they saw what as an unpatriotic betrayal by Mendoza. Mendoza, who was given the key to the city of Long Beach <laughs> because he uncovered this stuff. Fellow Inquirer journalist Armand in Nocum conducted further investigation and found that even the six true Zamboanguans Zam Zamboanguenos, you know, residents of the Zamboangan city, were overage, including at least two as old as 15 and thus ineligible. It was discovered that, as with the eight non-district players, the fraud had been main maintained by the players' assumption of identities of eligible players who had represented the city and at the national championships, the families of whom were reportedly willing to reveal all jealous of the prizes bestowed upon the players who had used their son's identities to represent their country at the Far East and World Series. In some cases, even the parents of the ineligible players assumed appropriate identities to maintain their appearance of property, propriety. Nocum, a native of the area, had not wanted to believe such an egregious fraud was taking place, but discovered that even school officials were in on the cover-up. Later, Nocum, seemingly backing Andaya's assertion that the substitutes were not chosen to artificially inflate the team's performance, told Sports Illustrated that that had the original Zamboangan team participated in the World Series, they would have trounced Long Beach by at least 30-4. to four. <laughs> In an interesting postscript, Zamboangan City was disqualified from the Filipino national title's the very next year in another overage player scandal. I mean, this was bad. Mm -hmm. You know, they they did Zamboangan City, you know, cheated big time and they tried every they got everybody in on this cover up. Yep. And there's no telling how many kids on other teams have been in that tournament that were kind of snuck through. Yeah. That weren't blatant. But just, you know, we're going to barely escape the edge. Yeah. But then another one that was really big was going to be Jackie Robinson West. In 2014. Yeah, uh, they're from Washington Heights in Chicago. Yep. Um, they were successful. They won the U.S. bracket. They lost South Korea in the championship. And following the tournament, Little League Baseball was tipped off that JRW, Jackie Robinson West, may have been using ineligible players to run Lewisport. Um... What really happened is a guy named by the name of Chris Jaynes. Mm -hmm. He was a coach and vice president of a rival park, kind of realized these kids are showing up. <laughs> and he watched his team lose 43-2 to to them during the uh, Chicago City Little League Tournament. And he just saw that, like, outside team's district, like, he saw these kids' parents, like, fired up. It's like, well, these parents gonna be fired about their kid if they're playing over there, mm -hmm. and um, so they kind of figured out they kind of figured out on his own that four or five of the players lived outside the district and they were manipulating and bending and blatantly breaking the rules for the sole purpose of winning at all costs. And that's a quote that last sentence. Yeah, um, but by that time they had beat team from New Albany and Anna to win the Great Lakes Regional and advanced to Williamport. And then three months later, the reports emerged that um, the league started investigating and they found out that. Team manager Daryl Butler from Illinois District Four. Or team manager Daryl Butler, Illinois District Four manager Michael Kelly, team president Ann Haley, and team treasurer Phil Haley conspired to recruit some kids, man. And it sucks because those kids, those kids are just playing ball. Yeah, and the thing is, like they, these kids were from inner city Chicago. I don't blame any of the kids for any of this stuff. I no. think it's adult manipulation on most of it. Right. It doesn't seem like the kid. it was the kid's fault. 
Because the kids, no are, kids, no kid is conspiring to commit fraud to get in the World Series. No, these kids could play ball. They, they were all of age. It was just they weren't in the right. They weren't in the same district. They weren't all in Jackie Robinson's district. You know, and it's sad. And like you know, because it was a good feel good story. These kids from inner city Chicago, an all black baseball team kicking butt in the Little League World Series. And, like, you know, I was cheering them on. I thought this was great, and I thought it was great for baseball and great for Little League baseball. And then for that to happen, it was like, it was a letdown. It's like, I didn't want to believe it. You know, and then I know, at least right afterwards, Jackie Robinson West went to be become a Babe Ruth league. Because they left Little League baseball for a while and went to go do Babe Ruth. Or something like that. Because they were so... And they sued Lily Baseball. And it was just, a, it, it was a mess. And, you know, I felt, I felt bad for the kids. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I said, it was a feel-good story until this all came out. And it was like, damn. You know? But, hey, you know, it's just part of the history of Little League World Series and Little League Baseball. Something's going to happen. Somebody's not going to be from the district. Or somebody's going to lie about their age. Or have their coaches lie about their age. And something's going to happen like that, you know? I feel bad. It's not the kids. No, it's it's, it's heartbreaker. I mean, I was, I, I you know, like I said, I didn't want to believe it wouldn't happen. You know, right. So and there's um there's a bunch of former Lily kids that are to change the pace a little bit. There's a bunch of Lily kids that are now um now or have been current major league. There's 64 confirmed graduates of the Lily Baseball World Series, just the World Series that have become major leaguers. I'm willing to bet more than three quarters of Pro ball players played the league. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just going to run down the ones that have participated in the league and Major League World Series. And there's also a separate list of participated in Little League World Series, College World Series, and Major League World Series. That's even more impressive. So uh, Little League and Major League World Series, you have a guy from 53 and 54 played in two Little League World Series, Jim Barbieri, mm-hmm. Boog Powell, Boog Powell yeah. Rick Wise, Carney Lansford in 69. 77, you have a guy named Charlie Hayes. 1980, Gary Sheffield. 1881, Derek Bell. See, we're getting into the names we know now. Yep. Um, Jason Marquis, 1991. Played in both the Little League World Series and a Major League World Series. <clears throat> Usmero Petit, Pettit. 1994, I'm not familiar with him. Yeah. Uh, let's see, I can click on him. He played uh, from Venezuela, and he also played MLB 06 to present. I'm not sure I updated the Holy World Series website. It's Florida, Arizona, San Francisco, Washington, Anaheim, and Oakland. Cool. Um, Lance Lynn, 99 graduate of the Holy World Series. Um, Cody Bellinger played in both. And that's the ones that have just done Lily World Series. And Major League World Series. And then guys that have played in Major League College and the League World Series. 73, guy named Ed Bosberg. He's from Tucson. He played for San Diego from uh, 86, 90, 94, 97, 99, 02. He had three stints in the big leagues. San Diego, San Francisco, Oakland, Texas, Florida, Arizona, Philadelphia, Montreal. Wow. Charlie Hayes in 1977. Um, he played from um, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and he played for San Francisco, Philadelphia, New York Yankees, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, and Houston while he was in the show. Wait, Charlie Hayes, we're talking about him. He was actually just a... Jason Veritek is one of the ones that did all three. Yep, we know him. He went to Georgia Tech College World Series, played 14 years in Boston. Look at young Veritek. Bowl cut. I love it. Um, let's see who else we got. Michael Conforto. Mm-hmm. He played with the Northwest in 04 for Redmond, Washington. Graduated thir- 2013 Oregon State, and he's with the Mets from 2015 to present. Oh, yeah. So, um, got Ed Vosberg in 73. We talked about him already, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, a handful of guys went both ways and graduated up through the ranks to play multiple World Series for beyond that. Yeah, it's really cool. It's a cool program that instills 
values and sportsmanship and all of that and the kids. And it's just a great way to meet people. Friends, acquaintances, what have you. It's just great. It's just good to be, you know, help the kids be healthy and do get exercise and all that. I mean, I got nothing but love for Little League Baseball. Or any sports in general, honestly. Yeah, it's a good thing, especially at the youth age. And Yeah. No, I don't have much to add, Matt. I got one thing to say that's not Little League related. I want to thank, I don't thank, I want to congratulate my dear friend Michael Robinson for attending his first ever Major League Baseball game this past Tuesday. I September, saw a good one. Yeah, September 20th against the, uh, the he was in he was in Arlington to see the Rangers play the Angels. Angels won 5-2, and the Rangers turned a triple play. Not a not a bad way to was not it a natural triple play. Yeah, it was a natural triple play. It went like from third to the second. You know, awesome. It wasn't a pop up and no. right base running gap. No, it was in the infield. Nice. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, <laughs> triple plays are much rarer. We all know that triple plays are much rarer to achieve than a double play. So for him, for his first major league game, because he's not really a baseball person, he was there for work, and his him and his. Um, Co-workers wanted to go, went to this because they had tickets. And they're like, oh. Maybe it'll make him a baseball person. Yeah. And he had a beer. I mean, he had nachos and beer. He, he was happy. And, nachos and beer. That sounds good. Yeah. And he got to see Shohei Otani and uh, he got to see Shohei Otani and Mike Trout play a game of baseball. I don't think I don't think I'll it's see Otani pitch. Yeah. And he didn't pitch that game, but he got to play. Which was disappointing, but it's like, hey, you got to experience a good baseball game. And he, he's more into race cars. Like, you know, he, he loves to drive his Miata and do stuff like that. Like at Barber Motorsports in, in Birmingham. He's more of a race guy, but it's like, hey, you know, in hockey, he likes on fire in hockey. But it's like, dude, I was so excited that he got to go to a major baseball game. Oh, yeah. I was like living vicariously through him, you know. It's just so. It's nice to do that sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, I'm proud of you, Michael. I'm glad you went, man. So, that's all I got to say. Hi, guys. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, and we apologize. We had that gap before our previous episode with, you know, struggle with us moving, me moving away from Matthew. So, we struggled to find time to get together. We tried to do things online. We finally got it figured out. We got a plan. Um until next time, man, like, rate, subscribe, share us with your friends. If you got any ideas for something you want to hear, baseball, HIS101 at gmail.com. Yep. Until next time, I'm Patrick Duvall. And I'm Matthew Carter. Y'all have a good one. The Wiz Kids had won it. Bobby Thompson had done it. And Yogi read the comics all the while Rock and roll was being born Marijuana we would scorn So down on the corner the national pastime went on trial We're talking baseball Klazuski, Campanella Talking baseball The man and Bobby Feller The scooter, the barber and the nuke They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque Especially with Well, Casey was winning, Hank Aaron was beginning, one Robbie going out, one coming in. Kiner and Midget Goodell, the Thumper and Mel Parnell, and Ike was the only one winning down in Washington. I'm talking baseball, Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball, the man and Bobby Feller, the Scooter, the Barber, and the Duke. They knew them all from Boston to Dubuque, especially Willie, Mickey and the Duke. Now my old friend, the bachelor, well he swore he was the Oklahoma kid. And Cookie played hooky to go and see the Duke. And me, I always loved Willie Mann, those were the days. 
Well, now it's the 80s, and Brett is the greatest, and Bobby Bonds can play for everyone. Rose is at the vet, Rusty again is a Met, and the great Alexander is pitching again in Washington. I'm talking baseball, like Reggie Quees and Barry, talking baseball, Carew and Gaylord Perry, Seaver, Garvey, Schmidt, and by the blue. They'll be with Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey. It was Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Say hey, say hey, say hey. I'm talking with. 